There you go, Gene and Dean, Thread Your Needle from 964, and that sort of wraps up another day of jiving around here on KPO. It's been fun. Definitely going to be back next week with the same stuff. Actually, more music, bigger varieties. You definitely have a great weekend coming up, and we'll see you next Thursday. Take care. Bye-bye. KPO San Francisco, it's 11 o'clock. When we are ignorant, whether passively or intentionally, we have no chance to see the truth for what it is. If it is a passive kind of ignorance, we move about in a foggy bliss of unawareness. If we make ourselves ignorant, if we actively delude ourselves, then we are making a terrible mistake, making a terrible mistake, We rob ourselves of the clarity of truths. We miss the beauty as well as the full depth and Okay, good morning, folks. This is Nube coming at you from California Prison Focus and Prison Focus Radio here on KPOO. It is a beautiful, beautiful Thursday morning, at least for me, and I really extend that out to all of you. I hope it is a beautiful day for you or that you can f- dig deep and find your beauty. Um, don't let anybody tell you anything different you are beautiful. So again, I welcome you. And I really want to say thank you to the listeners out there. Thank you so much for giving of your time or sharing your time uh, with us here, as it really is important. I can't see any of you, but I feel you and I hope you feel me too. And, uh, and that we give you a good show. And with that said, I do want to say, please connect with me and let me know what you think. Um, I'll take it. I'll take everything. I don't want to call it good or bad. Just share your thoughts with me about what you're hearing, um, what you would like to hear. Um, uh, just yeah, connect with me. It would be great. You just go to uh, nube at prisons.org. Nube, that's N like Nancy, U like umbrella, B like boy, E like Edward, at prisons.org. And uh, yeah, just check in with me. It would be great to hear from some of you that are listening out there because I really do thank you for your time. Um, 
I want to give a couple of announcements before uh, we get started. Today we are going to be um, we, yes, it is a we, but I am going to be bringing voice to um, the folks behind the wall and um, and some music. So today it's uh, bringing voices and music. Okay, so um, if you uh, have been listening uh, to any of the other programs as well, if you're um avid fan of KPOO, you know that they are in a fundraiser, so please kick them down some funds. Um, I, I hear it all the time, and please know it. Any amount, uh, small or large, whatever you got, uh, please share, because, um, you know, collectively we're a lot stronger when we work together. So if you have um, any funds that you can bring to kpoo.com, uh, please make that donation. That would be fantastic. And uh, same with California Prison Focus. Again, we have this matching grant that was given to us by a really generous donor um, saying that they believe in us and um, they would have given us the opportunity to match a $25,000 grant by um, by the end of the year. So December 31st, that matching grant um, opportunity will be over. So if you can um, or want to, you find it in your heart to share some of your uh, some of your very precious uh, re financial resources with California Prison Focus, please go to www.prisons.org and make a donation there as well. Again, collectively, uh, we just do so much better. Uh, so then a couple of announcements for events that are coming up. Um, the next Liberate the Caged Voices will be coming up next Wednesday, October 30th from 7 to 9, and it will be in our... Um, at the Freedom and Movement Building uh, over there on 4400 Market Street. Again, you can see that on our calendar if you go to prisons.org and just look at our calendar. But we have um, Liberate the Caged Voices has gone through a transformation. And so I want to read you uh, what it is that we are going to be doing now. It's very, very, very exciting. Um, we have moved. We are still going to be doing the basic program that we do, which is reading the letters. But we are now about, uh, we're going to be building a working group uh, and, and become uh, a campaign to uh, free some of the, the, the folks that are coming up for parole, namely Sitawa. Um, he'll be coming up for parole next uh, year in July of 2020. So, um, and he was part of the, one of the, uh, leading reps for the those historic hunger strikes that took place in 2011 through 2013, 2013 culminating in 30,000 prisoners um, going on a hunger strike to uh, protest the um, solitary confinement torture conditions uh, being placed on them by CDCR. That's small r rehabilitation. So here's the description, and I hope that um, many of you out there or, can come um, and build with us and um, invite other people to come as well. So liberate the cage voices, free Satawa, promote the prisoner human rights movement to release the leaders of the hunger strikes in California. This ongoing educational and support building campaign will highlight the present situation of the leaders of the 2011 and 2013 hunger strikes and who also drafted the historic document, The Agreement to End Hostilities. Since the release of almost 2,000 men from solitary confinement based on the settlement of the Ashker v. Governor Brown class action lawsuit, not one of these leaders and drafters from the Pelican Bay Short Corridor Collective have been paroled. Instead, they have been systematically targeted, harassed, with many of them placed back in the security housing units, or shoes, or administrative segrega segregation, ADSEG, for months to years. These men should have been paroled decades ago. They are being singled out and denied parole because of their extraordinary leadership. In spite of suffering the most oppressive conditions in the Pelican Bay Shoe, the leaders collectively led the 60-day hunger strike of 2013, which inspired 30,000 California prisoners to join them on its first day to protest their brutal conditions in CDC small r. We must continue to stand by them and fight to get them released. As a result of CDC Small R's selective persecution of these leaders, in this, quote, workshop, we want to strategize and develop tactics to further the prisoner human rights movement and force the state to liberate these leaders, beginning with the campaign to get Satawa Nantambu Jama'a freed from prison. 
The parole board has consistently denied Satawa's parole, and we want to have folks join us to build a statewide movement to support Satawa getting paroled when his hearing comes up in July of 2020. Please join us in our struggle to free Satawa and build the movement to bring these leaders home. So again, um, I do invite you uh, October 30th, this Wednesday, um, at uh, from 7 to 9 at the Freedom of Movement building, and feel free to go to our calendar at prisons.org. Okay, and then uh, lastly, um, I really do want to continue to do a shout out to those that are listening to us um, behind the walls. And I understand that so this, this radio program is, is for you, and, and it's for us on the outside here to be in support and collaboration with you um, to, to hear your voices and uplift your voices and bring your voices out. So if you are listening, um, it's quite possible that you are listening from some kind of solitary confinement. Um, unless you're lucky enough then to be at work I, and then it, you probably don't have the opportunity to be listening in. So there's um, kind of a strange catch-22 here. But if you are in solitary confinement and you are listening and you hear my voice and you do not have a subscription to the Prison Focus newspaper, please um, write us and get one because we offer the the newspaper which is your voices your ideas your poetry um and um some from us out here as well but mostly this newspaper is t um it's educational it's an opportunity to uh to create some dialogue and unity so um if you don't have a subscription you can have it for free you just need to write us at 44 08 Suite A, Market Street, Oakland, California, 94608. Um, this newspaper is born out of your powerful, beautiful, insightful uh, voices um, and ideas, and we want to make sure that uh, you remain a part of it um, and then share it also with others. Uh, we, we find that it tends to be an organizing and uh, unifying tool. So again, I thank you for listening uh, behind the walls and uh, we're doing what we can out here to have your back. And, um, and so those of us here on, on this side of the wall in what's called apparently the free world, um, just know that um, we are uh, gathering together to bring again our collective energy and love to this movement of a prisoner's human rights. And so, all right, um, I am going to play a piece of music and then we are gonna get started on reading some letters. And here we go. Really good. 
space and time Or is this a vision in my mind I'm not one who make believes I know that leaves are green Turn to brown when autumn comes around. I know just what I say. Today is not yesterday, and all things have an ending. But what I'd like to know is good a place like. This exists so beautiful But do we have to find our wings And fly away To the vision in our folks we are back thank you so much for that uh, beautiful beautiful song yes let's vision and act let's do this together so um, just before the song I was talking about the the campaign uh, to free Satawa which is really part of a broader um, uh, movement of, of support for the prisoners human rights movement and it just so happened I was in the office yesterday at California Prison Focus, and we got a wonderful holiday card from, um, again, one of the uh, four representatives of the Short Corridor, uh, Todd Ashker. And he wrote to us, so I'm going to, uh, this card, and I would like to read that. This is the first thing I'd like to read. Greeting friends, looking to find y'all well in ways that matter, and to thank you very much 
for all your continued support. I know y'all keep busy and just want to share the following. Back in August, on a TV channel called Quest, I caught an excellent, very informative, one, a four-part documentary, America's War on Drugs, 50-Year History, a must-see for all in the struggle. You should put Kim Kardashian up on it. Also, I recommend a book called Trauma and Recovery by Judith Herman, M.D., with new epilogue by the author, 2015. Chapters 1 and 4 are spot on and spell out reasons why it's critical to keep a spotlight on exposure and examples of creative methods to help survivors. And um, there is a shout out to Bato, CPF Bato, wishing you, the card says, wishing you a very happy moment that makes Halloween such a wonderful time of year. In solidarity, Todd. So um, Todd Ashker um, is still in solitary confinement. He has been denied parole many times as well. He doesn't even have a hearing coming up. So again, this campaign that we intend to be working on uh, through the Liberate the Caged Voices it is starting with Sitawa because he has um, a date with the board, like we said, in July 2020. And we want to make sure that we are building this campaign, that the idea is to build the campaign to get them all out. And uh, Todd Ashker is one of those. So we give a big shout out of love to you, Todd, as well, and all of you. Um, okay, so um, the the whole idea around the letter reading today is to focus on the hunger strikes. Um, so it was such a powerful thing. So I am going to read from the Prison Focus newspaper, issue number 37, which is in the summer of 2011. Um, and again, you can go to prisons.org and read the, um, the past issues and uh, gain a, a real understanding of what uh, folks on the inside um, are going through because it's their voices. So this is by the Short Corridor Inmates. Uh, that's what they called themselves. Um, Short Corridor Inmates, Pelican Bay Prison. And again, this is from the summer of 2011. This is the introduction. It's called Formal Complaint. Complaint on human rights violations and request for action to end over 20 years of state-sanctioned torture to extract information from our cause, mental illness, from or cause mental illness to California's Pelican Bay State Prison Security Housing Unit, Shoe Prisoners. By the Shoe Short Corridor Inmates, Pelican Bay Prison. Introduction. This is a formal complaint and request for action to end 20-plus years of state-sanctioned torture in order to extract information from or cause mental illness to California inmates incarcerated indefinitely in punitive isolation at Pelican Bay State Prison Security Housing Units, the PBSP shoe, based on arbitrary policies and practices, re the inmate status, i.e. a California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation gang label without ever being charged and found guilty of committing a gang-related illegal act in violation of the First, Fifth, Eighth, and Fourteenth Amendments of the U.S. Constitution and international law barring the use of torture and other cruel, inhumane, or degrading treatment or punishment as a means of obtaining information, coercion, and or punishment for acts of suspected acts committed per the UN Conventions Against Torture of 1984 to 1985. Two, the parties, named complainants on behalf of themselves and those similarly situated inmates, family members, friends, and concerned citizens harmed by such policies and practices. Two, the state of California lawmakers, including, but not limited to, Edmund Governor Brown, Edmund Brown Governor, and CDCR Secretary Matthew Kate et al. Each and all of them being on notice of said violations and responsible for inmate care and treatment. Number three, the summary of human rights violations. The CDCR has been violating the human rights of certain inmates for the last 10 to 35 years and counting and counting via their policy and practice of arbitrary indefinite placement of said inmates into punitive shoe units alleging said inmate status, i.e. a CDCR gang affiliation classification, which in turn is based on allegations made by confidential inmate informants seeking and receiving special treatment, 
etc. Mandates this shoe placement for safety and security reasons. However, the true nature of such status-based indefinite shoe confinement is not clear. While the arbitrary nature of such policy slash practice is crystal clear, demonstrated by the fact that CDCR claims all validated prison gang affiliates automatically, quote, pose an immediate severe threat to the safety and security of all general population prison, other inmates, and staff, unquote, solely based on this, quote, status. It is notable that most inmates who have been in the SHU for the last 10 to 35-plus years have never been found guilty of committing a single gang-related illegal act. But the fact is that this status is a actually only applied to a few hundred inmates, while tens of thousands of gang affiliates are in general population in prisons throughout the state. This arbitrary status-based indefinite shoe confinement was imposed on a few hundred inmates beginning in 1985 and 1986 without prior notice that a gang label was prohibited and sanctionable. Related rules and regulations were not included in CDCR, California Code of Regulations, Title 15 Rules Book, until 1999, while prison gang culture goes back to the 50s. The CDCR began housing these inmates in Pelican Bay State Prison, SHU, upon its opening in December 1989. These inmates have been housed in PBSP SHU based on this status for the last 10 to 20 years now, and their sole avenues for release from SHU are parole, death, mental illness, or debriefing. Debriefing requires a SHU inmate to provide CDCR staff with quote, sufficient verifiable information that will adversely impact the gang, other gang members, and associates to the extent that they will never accept them back, unquote. This equates to a CDCR requirement that said inmates have the choice of remaining in shoe until death, mental illness, or becoming a known informant who has caused damage to other inmates. This makes the inmate, and possibly his family members, a target for reprisal, as potentially for life. Many of these inmates are serving term-to-life sentences, and they have been eligible for parole for the last 5 to 25-plus years, but they are told that if they want a chance to parole, they have to debrief, period. The CDCR PBSP SHU policies and practices summarized violate both the U.S. Constitution and international law banning the use of torture and other cruel, inhumane, or degrading treatment or punishment as a means of obtaining information via coercion and or to punish for acts of suspected acts of misconduct, as exemplified below. A. In December 1989, CDCR opened PBSP SHU, bragging that it was meant to contain and isolate the prison system's, quote, 1% worst of the worst inmates, unquote, and this would make the system safer and easier to manage. This has proven to be false. We'll go to C, note C in just a minute. B, there has been a lot of CDCR, PBSP, and Guard Union, CCPOA, propaganda generated about these, quote, worst of the worst ever since 1989, and it has been perpetrated by the corporate media via television, dramas, and movies. Yet a review of these so-called demonized worst of the worst PBS shoe inmates who are party to this complaint will reveal they are actually free of being guilty of serious rule violations for many years and zero illegal gang-related acts in prison. Many have paroled and discharged parole, staying out of prison five to ten plus years, but as soon as they returned to CDCR, they were placed back into PBSP shoe indefinitely. C. Many of these inmates are those who utilize the legal system to challenge illegal CDCR policies and practices and encourage others to do the same. D. For the last 10 to 20 plus years, these PBSP shoe inmates have been subjected have been subject to the punitive conditions wherein, for arbitrarily applied status reasons, in order to coerce them into becoming notorious informants for the state or die, suffer mental illness in shoe, examples being subject to 10 to 20 plus years of sensory deprivation, deprivation via isolation and intentional limitation of normal human contact and social interaction as much as possible. Two, denied physical contact with family and friends, no phone calls, and not even able to have a photograph taken to send home. Three, if they want out of the shoe, prisoners have to provide staff with information and be willing to testify against other prisoners, free citizens, including family members. Four, denied inadequate medical care. This became more pronounced when Dr. Michael C. Sayer became PBSP 
chief medical officer in 2006 and who, with the complicity of several cronies, um, and McLean, Sue Reisenhoover, and James Flowers began to systematically discontinue and deny medication, specialist care, assistive aids, and telling shoe inmates, if you want better care, get out of the shoe. Um, I am um, not reading the, the, the full scope of each of these points uh, because I do want to invite you to, um, to read some of this yourself um, and get educated about what these uh, folks have been dealing with on the inside for all of these years. Mind you, this was in 2011. They're writing this. This is before the 2013 uh, hunger strikes um, of 30,000 prisoners. Um, but these are the things that they are talking about and that they are still dealing with now. So number five, CDCR, PBSP staff cons constantly seek ways to make shoe more punitive for these inmates. For example, most cells are freezing in winter and adequate clothing and head coverings are restricted and denied. The food portions are smaller, much of it inedible or bland diet every day for 20 plus years. No exercise equipment is provided while most prisons furnish at least a pull-up dip bar in shoe units. Um, so um, I just wanted to give an idea of um, the voices that are coming out, this is the work that they're doing on the inside. It's really important that us here on the outside are supporting them. So this is their formal complaint happening in 2011 because there were three hunger strikes, the last one in 2013, again, culminating in 30,000 prisoners taking um, uh, taking uh, part. And the reason that there were three is because here are people that are willing to starve themselves to try to expose what's happening on the inside, and CDCR didn't listen. So basically what happened is they went on strike um, in 2011, um, and then CDCR promised that they would you know, listen to their demands, and then as soon as they went off the strike, then they just ignored them. So they did it again in 2012 until finally they just said, okay, we're now, now, now we understand what's going on. Uh, 2013, again, 30,000 people signed on and they were willing to go to the death. And in fact, one person did die, um, that I, sorry, that I know of. Um, it's quite possible that, that others died. And, um, um, I don't know their names, and we should know their names, and um, so I'm putting that out there. That's something that someone can connect with me about um, and let me know how we can say their names. Um, I know that I think his name was Bob Sell. Um, they tried to call it a suicide, but that was um, folks on the inside know that that's not true, as well as supporters. So people literally put their lives on the line to get themselves out of these very oppressive conditions. Okay, so I'm gonna um, read some more. This is from issue number 38. Um, it's the spring of 2012, so we are the next year now. And um, so we're just gonna read again, just some letters about people that are talking about uh, this, the call for the hunger strikes and, and just their thoughts on um, and all of that that was taking place. And oh, before I go further, I want to say that um, there are hunger strikes going on right now in um, South Carolina. They're hunger striking be, um, and and doing other kinds of strikes because they have been in the shoe for over two years, but they have, they literally have no kind of sunlight. They have put steel plates over their windows so they have no light whatsoever. And they've been dealing with this for two years. So let's be, I, I really want you to understand at Tacoma, Washington, they're also on hunger strikes because they're protesting the oppressive conditions there. So this is unfortunately the, the most effective, but it's also so dangerous for them to be going on hunger strike. But that's how oppressive the conditions are. So I'm sorry, folks. Yeah, this is going to be uh, a heavy listen today. But I think it's really important that these voices are our caged community members, family members and loved ones are not lost in all of the chaos that's going on out here. I mean, even the, the um, with the, the, the presidential nominees and all that that's going on, um, 
you know, it's, it's, it's the climate, but think about it. We are treating the climate the same way that we are treating people. We are extracting, we are abusing, we are exploiting, we are not caring about people. We have to come together and care. And these voices are telling us they care, they care about themselves. Can we care with them? Because we have got to change this uh, profit over people system and go to people over everything people over everything and care. So, okay, I'll stop talking. I'm going to read. Dear CPF, hello, I just received a copy of the summer 2011 rag. I am very impressed with what I am seeing. It has taken many years of life's experiences, study and literature to finally come to a place in my life as a man and a prisoner to understand where I fit into the scheme of life. I could ramble on and on a thousand different topics. First, I want to say this. In the winter 2011 issue, my published letter encouraged the use of hunger strikes and nonviolent resistance as forms of result of revolt against oppression. Now I receive this issue and see all my brothers coming together to starve, and it makes my head swell. The reason I'm so happy is that I know the effects of the well-planned hunger strike. In Tehachapi Shoe in 2007, me and six other guys did one. Staff flipped out. When we went to the yard, they placed a lunches in our cells and photographed it. They rigged scales between weigh-ins and they used medical chronic care issues to say that not eating was akin to quote suicidal behavior and placed me on suicide watch. Then they went to the others clandestinely and said that I left and secretly betrayed my fellow hunger strikers. Thankfully, having read other organizer manifestos, I had assigned code words that unless all of us were given this code, no one should eat. Of course, they eventually broke one young hunger striker partner who gave statements saying we were eating. The medical department was complicit in the whole affair. It got really ugly. Staff went into our cells in back-to-back -back searches and took everything personal to us. They poured coffee on our photographs and then turned our water and toilets off. It was ugliness. Human contemptibility at its utmost, at its utmost worst. Having read your comments in this issue, I have some input, Ned. People now do not have the grit that your generation did. These kids coming in are, are living off of the cream of your sacrifices. To them, ramen soups and corn chips are all the reason in life to obey. Furthermore, the intelligence level of the average prisoner is contemptible. It does not matter what avenue of approach that I take to educate these idiots. Sorry. They are scared, Ed. Cowards. Yesterday, I had a 43-year-old multi-termer get into the vent, and he asked me if I thought they would mess with his mail if he 602'd. That's appealed. The issue of not getting it. First, if you're not getting it, then what is there to lose? Second, if a guy is too scared to do a 602, then do me and the rest of the movement a favor. Quit reading this activist publication. This paper is not for cattle, cowards, or the faint-hearted. Activists are riders, not hiders. There were many famous slogans in the 1960s. I don't remember how one exactly um, went exactly, but it was like, resist or get out. We have a governor who revolutionized CDC in the 1970s. If there were ever a time for reconstruction in the prison system, it's now. Inflation, deficit, disasters, and a like-minded governor impression at its worst in 40 years, coupled with the will of the human spirit. Everyone should read the Declaration of Independence. Just substitute words geared toward our plight, and it's easy to visualize the similarities in the framers of our Constitution and our prison subculture. One more thing that I've said before. Race, religion, party, or gang identification, gay, straight, GP, SNY, all of these things only serve to defeat us. As one, as a class of prisoners, we have a voice. But divided, we fall. Robert Dragusica, a.k.a. Validated Bigfoot, from Delano Adseg. And, you know, one of the things that he's saying is, um, that I notice, and it's it's hard to read because it's true. They, there's there's preying on people that have um, you know third grade education, and and so people are being punished for not having education, uh, being poor. Um, all of these the, all of these things are um, you know an affront to society, right? And and somehow they've got us believing that those people deserve to be. Um, to be punished for 
you know, un- unfortunately, yeah, being scared, being being ignorant, being an, an, um, uneducated, uh, being poor, any of those things. Or, uh, you know, God forbid you actually do have a mind of yourself, you'll be re- retaliated against. And that's scary for people. So we definitely need to listen to those voices. Um, I mean, we we need to put our focus on who's actually doing the damage, not why people are being damaged and abused. And this system, and in this system inside prisons is CDCR, and they are, are wrong. Dear CPF, Prisoners not housed in segregation should have more reasons to support California prison focus after Ron Annan refocused on issues that originated CPF. Torturous conditions of the shoe. These are, these very same conditions have been successfully migrated into the 180 level 4 yard cell doors outside of shoe. For instance, SADF facility C-180 design general population has been providing less programs and privileges to prisoners than what is allowed in the SHU. No vocational jobs limited to institution and function and no full-time academic classes. Then there are the issues of ADA and medical neglect due in part to custody overrides. The average of only two hours of yard per week, no access to recreational books or law library without a court deadline little or no access to religious programs and services, etc. Facility C, SATF GP prisoners spend about 23 hours per day in their cells, not counting the two frequent and unwarranted lockdowns that suspend all programs and privileges. No visits. Mind you, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, so this is still happening. Prisoners should refocus their efforts to a bare-bone budget for struggle, too, because most of you would agree with Professor Haney's words in issue number 36. Ironic, quote, ironically, but sometimes uncontrollably, some prisoners are driven by these deprived and oppressive conditions to pursue courses of action that further ensure their continued deprivation and oppression, unquote. In the wake of Sandin versus Connor, the United States Supreme Court said that generally prisoners do not have a right to due process protection of the Constitution prior to being placed in segregation and cannot sue for money damages under Title 42. Um, the court reasoned that the very same conditions in segregation do not in themselves impose an atypical and significant hardship in the ordinary incidents of prison life, meaning conditions in the general population of a maximum security prison in segregation are no different. Prisoners wake up and donate money to CPF. Prisoners need to look at the playing field and educate themselves to begin to understand what are the practic- what are the practical progressive strides that can be made to change these onerous conditions. How much money needs to be raised to run a successful campaign to change oppressive policies? Mind you, this is before the Asher settlement. This is incredible. What are practical solutions to unite all prisoners inside and outside of the shoes? What can prisoners do to help CPF secure grant monies based on having an impact on changing policies that result in torturous conditions in the shoe? Find out where help is needed and give it wholeheartedly. Finally, I will end this letter with a pledge to donate $50 from my trust account to CPF to do with as they see fit for the struggle CPF is now focusing on. And I hope to read CPF Ed's feedback in this letter, as I'm sure it will prove information. Thanks and keep struggling, CPF. Demonza Hunter, Sadif Corcoran. So um, I didn't read this letter before. Um, so um, this is exciting to hear how, again, this is a collaborative effort. And um, so I hope that you will join us or encourage other peoples to join us um, with the ongoing uh, Liberate the Caged Voices Free Satawa, which is really a promotion of the prisoner human rights movement, because although um, the, the, that, the Ashker settlement, the prisoner strikes of 2013, um, relieved, you know, the 2000 uh, men from from the shoe. Um, the practice of putting people in solitary confinement is happening to this day. And again, the same oppressive conditions are happening. So uh, please join us in any way that you can, if you can give your time, if you can give some money, if you can just lend your support, if you can write to some of these, um, go to our website and write to some of these uh, men, uh, uh, these people, I don't want to say men and women anymore, um, inside. Um, Okay, so I'm going to read a, a one poem, and then we're going to take a break with some music because this, this stuff is, gets a, to be a bit intense. Um, and this is from our latest issue, number 59. It's called The Ashes of a Peaceful War.
by Mr. Francisco Gonzalez. It wasn't Vietnam or World War III. It wasn't your war on drugs or the war on crime. It was only my fist raised in defiance. When you saw my rage turn to calm, you only saw violence. When you talked about hope, I expected the rain without a rainbow. When you felt love, I only saw your hate. Where you saw beauty, I see tra sorry. Where you see beauty, I see tragedy, concrete walls and steel. They're all the same in the game we call time. No matter how you put it in a million different ways, it's killer Cali to the forefront with 30,000 strong soldiers fighting to the death. The ultimate sacrifice. The ultimate price they paid with every breath. The behemoth roared, reared its ugly neck, and their love went blind by the trace of compassion. Justice isn't the only one that can't see in this game. Thirty thousand deadly soldiers of equanimity raised their fist in concert by refusing that tray. They were POWs, no more. A raised fist against their callous cruelty. And with that, I lift my pen with that spirit in hand. Now you saw hate. I saw only fierceness in our eyes. When the rain came, I stood proud, ready to starve to death with them. I have lived hated and raged. When you twisted and turned your keys on us, then your glee faded. Your desire turned to empty want, when it wasn't us twisting and turning in our graves. It was your sinister darkness that started to expose your souls, your cage, the weapon. My answer to the question, my life. Cages made for the destruction of the human spirit filtered our hope for another day, and that architectural monstrosity emanated during strength. Safety equals fear. Unity equals your hate and revenge. Those concrete walls and steel frozen in a moment in time, my eyes see the beauty of peaceful calm, where it all arose from the ashes of a peaceful war. All right. It's a piece of music for us.
This is still from issue number 38 of spring of 2012. Ladies, everyone, I have been getting messages wondering why it seems as if Southern is taking over all this and admins are Southern. I want to, to respectfully remind those that we are all working together in all places. I may live in L.A., but I am now very close with women up north. I am an admin, this group, and I live in L.A., but Jessica is also an admin, and she lives in San Francisco. It's not about who is north or south or east or west, and is not about what race you are either. It is about helping these men. L.A. group got together because family members spoke up and decided to just get together to coordinate on their own. If loved ones up north need help getting to visits, getting to SAC on the 23rd, Please don't be shy to speak up and ask, and of course, we'll all do whatever we can to help. Everyone will. That was also the whole point of starting this group, so everyone could come together and meet. I hope we continue to openly communicate and help one another without barriers of location, of where their loved one is at in prison, or what race they may be, because our loved ones on the inside need all of us to work together as one for them. Thank you. I know this hasn't been... I know this has been a difficult time for all of us with the public scrutiny, but this is pale when compared to what people go through on the inside. When you are verbally attacked, that is just an attempt to silence you, belittle you, and take out the fighter in you. Don't let something like that put the fear in you. I've seen prisoners be put in the hole for standing up for themselves, but guess what? They can't stick us in a hole, so we just have to keep standing up and speaking. It may seem wrong to, to some now, but we are changing the course of history, just like Rosa Parks did when she sat in the front of the bus breaking the laws of that time, and many others did the same. Years from now, people will look back in shame to remember this dark period where prisoners were placed in isolation cells for years. But unless we stay strong and stick together, no matter our races, our locations, we won't change anything. Let's continue to encourage one another and support each other so we don't lose our focus on what is important. And that is saying we won't stand for injustice, whether it happens outside or inside prison walls. And this is an injustice being done to our prisoners, costs us more money to maintain shoes, and it has no value in our society. It is abusive, dehumanizing, and breaks the spirit of our prisoners' lives and those of our families. And we need to stay strong in that. There is nothing rehabilitating about locking someone up for 23 hours a day for years at a time. And this battle is long overdue. But we are here now, and we must demand as taxpaying citizens better than, than this and make CDCR accountable. Indeed. Okay. I'm going to read one last piece. On This is comes from... Oh, um, issue number 40 of the summer of 2013. Um, and one last thing that I want to say, okay, I'm going to read this first, never mind. On unity of purpose within the protest movement, quote, a small body of determined spirits fired by an unquenchable faith in their mission can alter the course of history. Gandhi. Greetings, brothers and sisters. History teaches us that unity is strength, that the collective will of a people expressed toward a common goal often results in that goal being realized. This should indicate to all of us the vital nature of preserving unity of purpose within the protest movement and within the movement to abolish domestic torture units in particular, solitary confinement units. Protest movements in the U.S. are often formed out of necessity because the U.S. state and the oppressive, exploitive methods it uses against the people who stand in opposition to are one and the same, sharing a mutual interest in repressing a specific segment of society or reaping some material benefit for their exploitation. In the case of indefinite sensory deprivation, confinement, and mass incarceration in general, we find both an oppressive and exploitive dynamic. The unemployed area, a necessary component of surplus labor value expropriation in the U.S. capitalist arrangement wage slave system, is key to a process we can call underdevelopment. 
In the U.S., such underdevelopment is targeted and contained, for the most part in poor and minority communities where no viable place in the mainstream economy is available to those segments of the population. They must resort to the underground economy to survive. These survival activities, be they service-based, narcotics, prostitution, illegal gambling, etc., or predatory, robbery, extortion, identity theft, all are, quote, against the law. Exposing those forced into the underground economy to imprisonment, being uh, the predatory capitalist state that the U.S. is, corporate and political interests from across the industrial spectrum saw an opportunity in this, reminiscent of the old southern prison bond system. Only in this case, it was not profit that could be made from exploiting prison labor, but the profit that could be made from each prisoner representing a portion of the public's tax dollars, which could be expropriated, taken, by a new joint venture of industry and labor aristocracy prison guard unions and administrators on an ever-expanding industrial scale. With the cooperation of the politicians who overnight created a new and powerful constituency which only required them to parrot the quote tough on crime rhetoric to harness such powerful lobbying and polling resources, law enforcement and judiciaries who would of course see an expansion of power and privilege of their own as legislators enacted over more intrusive laws broadening the net and widening the gavel for potential citizens daily lives to be intruded upon by the quote rule of law and more of their tax dollars the prison industrial complex was born forming a sixty four billion dollar oligarchy of corporations and the state that tendrils extend well beyond that meager dollar amount annually it's now in the eighty billions as the u.s. became the most populous prison population on earth those subjected to those contradictions, prisoners resisted, some becoming advanced socioeconomic and political activists who sought to actively resist the social evil of the PIC, prison industrial complex. The state and its corporate masters saw no distinction between, between these and other groups of prisoners that formed within these environments, and when pitting them against each other did not work, the concept of the supermax was born, a place where those who would not submit to the prescribed role of pressed man would be sent to, subjected to experimental psychological torture techniques until they paroled, debriefed, or died. These units were even more lucrative than the expanded prison yards sprouting up like mushrooms across the rural areas of the nations, their very concept and purpose requiring a more robust infusion of taxpaying dollars and giving rise to an interest to manufacture the fantasy of the worst of the worst, while simultaneously media access and independent oversight, but capitalism with its imperative of unending growth, is, as always, unsustainable, and the prison-industrial complex is no different. As contradictions of its own explosive expansion collided with the limits of U.S. socioeconomic capacity, the prospect of eternal damnation in these torture units finally burned away the miasma of disunity, affecting the thousands of men and women consigned to these torture units, leaving only their mutual interests behind. Finding its organizational expression within the Pelican Bay D Short Corridor Collective and its unity of purpose in the historic agreement to end hostilities, the movement of these torture units, which began so many years ago when the U.S. government re replaced Alcatraz with Marion, has not reached its highest form with this national coalition. But, as most may realize, the unity of our coalition and thus its very purpose is under constant assault. Everything from political immaturity to COINTELPRO-style attacks challenge our resolve every day. As such, we feel it important to have a discussion about the most fundamental aspects of unity and how adhering to them will not only preserve our purpose, but ensure our circuit. Unity is based on dialogue and commitment, dialogue which is egalitarian and open in an exclusion, yet productive and efficient in its outcome. We should dialogue regularly at all levels around those points which we seek to unify on and from that common ground commit to those actions and ideas which will most effectively realize our purpose. Unity does not require uniformity. Coalition building is all about people from different walks of life, politically, socially, sexually, culturally, economically, educationally, and geographically coming together to realize a shared value. In this case, the very basic human right that sh we should all be allowed is to live free of torture. Unity is a broad enough concept to encompass differing in opinions and perspectives without it fracturing into a factualism which can be exploited by our collective opposition. This is why dialogue is such a vital component of unity. The views and perspectives of those we are waging struggle with are important and bilateral communication is the cornerstone of conflict resolution. If unity is based on its purpose, it will be difficult to encounter a dispute which cannot be resolved through dialogue.
Commitment to a course of action and to one another is often as powerful as unity itself. There is only one force which has any hope of abolishing the inhumanity of the U.S. once and for all, the unity of purpose of principled people like you and us. Be amazed and inspired. And one last thing that I want to say is please go to the Eventbrite um, website and look for Healing Justice, Liberate the Caged Voices, um, and sign up and join us, please, for our um, uh, 